Good morning. The scripture reading this morning will come from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 21. Look carefully then how you walk, not as the unwise, but as the wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Good morning, church. Is everybody smiling? Isn't it great to be here today? I was was just thinking, you know, I I hate for my team to lose. Don't you? Man, I I just hate for them to lose. And, And it makes us feel sad and down. But you know what's great? is we have the opportunity every Lord's Day and really every day to celebrate victory. I I mean, who else on the face of this earth gets to do that besides Christians? We get to celebrate victory, amen? Hey, Brady, how you doing, buddy? We get to celebrate victory. And that's awesome. And that's better than my team winning or losing. A team that uh, whether I play on it or not or, or whether I really have anything to do with it or not, I get to celebrate victory in Jesus Christ. And folks, that's awesome. And that's a message that this world needs to hear. Victory in Jesus. I'm glad that you're here today. I'm glad that you're smiling. I'm glad that you're sitting here because I need you here. No, not so you can hear me say words. But I need you here today because it encourages me. When I walk through these halls and when I go in these classrooms and when we walk in the lobby out here and I see you visiting and I see you smiling, I need that. And I hope that you need that. And I thank you so much for being here today. I hope that you've picked up a a bulletin. If not, there's, as you've already seen, there's lots and lots of things going on. This church needs you. This church needs you to be connected with all the things that are going on. So many things going on where you can be connected so that you can be encouraged, so that you can be reminded, hey, I have victory in Jesus Christ. No matter what the world tells me, I have victory in Jesus Christ. And we have so many opportunities to fellowship together. So many opportunities to invite our friends and our family and our neighbors to also be encouraged, to also hear the message of Jesus, to also see people who are walking and living in victory. By the way, if you're visiting today, thank you so much for being here. We need you too. And we're grateful that you're here. To our members, I want to encourage you to always take note. Look around the auditorium. Look through the hallways in the classrooms. If you don't recognize somebody, introduce yourself to them. Let people know we are glad you're here. Because this is not a solemn occasion. We have the opportunity to celebrate victory. John would say, walk in the light as he is in the light. 
And we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Christ, the Son of God, cleanses us from all our sins. This is, yet last week was a great day. We got to celebrate 25 years of love and learn. And all those that participated in our service did a great job. And I thank you for supporting that work. But today's a great day. It is the Lord's Day, but we have the opportunity of one of many times this week to sit down in fellowship with one another, to enjoy a meal together, to encourage one another, and then at 12.30 to have the opportunity to come back in here and encourage one another again as we worship God together. I want to say just a brief uh, addition to our Light the Night Fall Festival that we will be having um, this afternoon beginning at 5 o'clock. That is for everyone. We want you to come and bring your, your children, your grandchildren, and, and we want, want you to come and encourage one another, encourage all those children uh, that will be here uh, picking up candy, but encourage others as well. Uh, and just another opportunity to be together and fellowship with one another. And don't forget about the Wednesday night meeting as, as Donnie's already told us, please sign up for that. Also, the Wild Game uh, Supper, that'll be a great time. Not just to enjoy food together, but also, also to fellowship with one another. I don't know if you know this or not, but I was just looking through the bulletin. Time is changing. So, go ahead and be putting it in your mind that next Sunday is the time to fall back. Oh, that's great, isn't it? We get to sleep an extra hour. I love that. I love it when we get to fall back. But don't forget to set your clocks back because uh, we want you to be here on time. If you forget, that just means you'll be early, so, uh, so don't worry about it. Uh, but if you want to set that back, please set your clocks back. Again, it, it is great. Uh, to have you here, to, to be together. Turn in your Bibles, if you will, to the book of Ephesians chapter 6, and we'll meet there shortly. As we think about this idea of victory, and I, I've had some things on my mind about, and I've talked with the ladies in the ladies' Bible class about it, about the armor of God, and uh, the more I got to study, and the more there's so much stuff there, just in these few verses that I, we really really need more time, but I want us to hit the highlights of, of this armor of God. I want you to think about this question. What would you fight for? What would you fight for? Would you fight for your family? Would you fight for your friends? Would you fight for your team? Would you fight for your money? Would you fight for your health? Would you fight for your country? You see, the reality is that fighting, it's a part of life. In fact, we see movies about fighting all the time. Just this weekend, I saw several commercials where they were talking about fighting different things. In the month of October, we talk about fighting breast cancer. It's a fight against cancer and lots of money is raised. So fighting is a part of life. You know, the Bible makes application several times to a race, to wrestling, and to a battle. 
Paul uses all three of those illustrations to talk about the Christian life, the Christian walk. And he even deals with battles and how to prepare for those battles here in Ephesians chapter 6 that I want us to look at. There's also some other things that have been on my mind as we approach this election. And I, I want to encourage us to, to go out and vote. That's, that's something that we have the opportunity to do in, in this country. And that's a voice. That's a voice that, that we have uh, as Christians, as citizens of this country, but also as Christians. That's an opportunity that we have. This is a book that I picked up uh, several years ago, and I, I don't want to just give it just this one slant, but uh, uh, Dave Miller, he wrote this book and has done seminars called The Silencing of God, The Dismantling of America's Christian Heritage. And I want to read to you, read to you just uh, a few things that he says from this book, but I also have another book that's the Constitution of the United States. It's only keepers the people. And, and, and this is quotes from George Washington and others of our founding fathers and how they felt about the Constitution and how they felt about God and providence and things like that. Dave Miller says this, For 185 years, American culture was friendly toward Christianity. America was, in fact, considered a Christian nation. After all, America has never been considered uh, of, of other religions, even as it has never been a religionless nation. But for the last 50 years, sinister force, forces from humanism, atheism, and evolution to social liberalism, pluralism, and political correctness have been aggressive in their assault to the Christian religion. Now we're talking about battle this morning. We're thinking about the spiritual battle and putting on the armor of God, but this is something that's taking place in our nation. They have succeeded in gradually dismantling many of, our, of the moral and spiritual principles that once characterized society. America's religious, moral, and spiritual underpinnings are literally disintegrating. Indeed, America is at war. This war is far more serious and deadly than any physical conflict. America is fighting a spiritual, cultural war. Regardless of the surface issues, the central issue is God. Make no mistake, America is in the throes of a life and death struggle over whether God, the God of the Bible, will continue to be acknowledged as the one true God and Christianity as the one true religion. He goes on to say in another page, The sinister forces have mounted a massive full-scale assault on traditional moral values. They are endeavoring to sanitize our society, cleansing it of its Christian connections. The conspiracy parades itself under the guise that the Founding Fathers and the Constitution advocated a separation of church and state. The clever ploy goes something like this. The founders intended for our political institutions and public schools to be religiously neutral. A strict church-state separation must be observed, with religion completely excluded from the public sector. And any religious references would constitute an illegal endorsement of religion by the government. Thus, no references to God or Christianity in public settings must be allowed, whether in the government, the community, or the public school. 
This departure from the nation's origin, which has been spouted insistently for some 50 years, has thoroughly permeated the American population and will surely go down in history as one of the big myths uh, perpetrated on a people. For all practical purposes, America has become an atheistic, secularized, pluralistic state. Even the pagan monarchies of world history at least allowed their polytheistic beliefs to be incorporated into public life. Never mind the fact that the phrase separation of church and state is not even found in the Constitution. Thomas Jefferson used the term in a private letter to reassure Baptists that the government would not interfere in the free exercise of their religious beliefs. In fact, labeling the phrase a misguided analytical concept and noting, noting the absence of the historical basis of this theory of rigid separation, the U.S. Supreme Court Chief Justice William um, Rehnquist insightfully observed, It is possible to build sound constitutional doctrine upon a mistake understanding of constitutional history. But unfortunately, the Establishment Clause has been expressly frightened with Jefferson's misleading metaphor for nearly 40 years. That's what Dave Miller found in his research. This is what some of the founding fathers had to say about the Constitution and even providence of God. George Washington says, the adoption of the Constitution will demonstrate a visibly, as visibly the finger of providence as any possible evidence, event in the course of human affairs can ever designate it. Daniel Webster says, I regard it, the Constitution, as the work of the purest patriots and wisest statesmen that ever existed, aided by the smiles of a providence, a gracious providence. It almost appears a divine interposition in our behalf. Daniel Webster says again, about preserving the principles. It is hardly too strong to say that the Constitution was made to guard the people against the dangers of good intentions. There are men in all ages who mean to govern well, but they mean to govern. They promise to be kind masters, but they meant to be masters. They think their need to be but little restraint upon themselves. The love of power may sink too deep in their own hearts. Benjamin Franklin says this, only a virtuous people are capable of freedom. As nations become corrupt and vicious, they have more need of masters. John Adams says our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. <clears throat> Samuel Adams says, The sum of all is, if we would most truly enjoy the gift of heaven, let us become a virtuous people. Then shall we both deserve and enjoy it. While on the other hand, if we are universally vicious <clears throat> in our manners, <clears throat> though the form of our Constitution carries the face of the most exalted freedom, we shall in reality be the most abject slaves. Thomas Jefferson said, When in America... We in America do not have government by the majority. We have government by the majority who participate. All tyranny needs to gain a foothold is for people of good conscience to remain silent. Our America is changing, isn't it? 
see, we are at war. But I want us to realize and understand that our war is, is not just against a nation who culturally has gone corrupt. Our war is not just a war against a nation trying to take and a culture trying to take away the Christian heritage that we once enjoyed. But here is the true battle. You see, the true battle is more than that. The true battle is against God and His people. That's what Matt just read for us from Ephesians 5. Paul said, you be careful. Some versions say walk circumspectly because the days of evil, they were evil in Paul's day and they continue to be evil in our day. I find it interesting how how Paul goes through after that. You be careful because the days are evil, but you live in submission to God as you submit to one another. And then he talks about the marriage relationship. Husbands and wives submit to one another, not just as one another, but because you submit to God first. Parents, children, obey your parents. Why? Well, because it's the right thing to do, but because you are submitting to God. You see the progression here? Fathers, you bring your children up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Why? Because you submit to God. Training them to submit to God. And then he goes into talking about slaves. You know what's interesting? He didn't say whether, whether you, uh, you know, yes, slavery's okay or slavery's not okay. The point was deeper than that. Aren't you thankful though we live in a country that doesn't have those kind of things anymore? Amen? But Paul says, hey, you slaves, you submit and obey your masters. Why? Because you're doing that as you submit to God. And you masters, he says. He didn't leave them out. You masters, you treat your slaves with respect. Knowing that both of you are equal in the sight of God. And both of you submit to God. What a way to treat people. Because it's all out of our submission to God. And Paul goes through this progression of submitting, submitting, treating others because you first submit to God. And then he goes in to talking about the armor of God. I want you to notice in your Bibles what he says there in Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil or the tricks or schemes. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, to stand. 
want you to notice some things that Paul says. I just want to, in the next few minutes, pick out some things Paul says here in these verses, and then we'll notice the different equipment that goes into the army of God. Paul says, be strong in the Lord. Strength is important, isn't it? I mean, those people who go off into the military and they decide they want to defend our country, what do they do? They go through a lot of workouts and a lot of training. Why? So they might be strong, both physically and mentally. What about athletes? They don't just, hey, I'm on the team and get out there and, 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 and play on game day or game night, do they? No, they put in a lot of time and effort and training and workouts. Why? So, as the phrase goes, they might be bigger, faster, and stronger. Strength is important when you go into battle. And then these individuals, they go out into the contest. And generally speaking, those who have trained hardest, those who have worked hardest and who have become stronger, generally fare well. You know, it's the same for us as Christians. It's important. It's important that we are strong. It's important that we remember our strength comes not from one another, not from physical training, but our strength comes from the Lord. Paul says, if God be for us, who can be against us, right? And we get our strength from the Lord. It reminds me of what the Lord told Joshua. Do you remember when Joshua took over the children of Israel from Moses? And in Joshua chapter 1, God says this, verse 6, Be strong and courageous, or be strong and of good courage. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 7, Only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe and do according to all the law of Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God... Hey, listen church. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. We noted in our class this morning that how God does provide for His people, but God doesn't keep us from the storms. He didn't keep Paul. He didn't keep Jesus. God doesn't even keep us from the battles. God wants us to go into those battles with the strength of the Lord. Paul would say in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13, you remember? I can do all things, how? Through Christ who strengthens me. Paul faced a lot of battles. He faced a lot of difficulty. How did he do it? Because he got his strength from the Lord. Paul reminds us to put on the whole armor of God. <clears throat> Why, Paul? He says, so that you can stand against the schemes and the tricks of the devil. Genesis 3 came to Adam and Eve in the garden, and he was scheming. Oh, Adam and Eve. Did God really say that? You know what God's doing? He's keeping stuff from you. Because God knows. God knows 
that when you partake of that fruit, He don't want you to be like Him. You'll be like God knowing the difference of good and evil. It wasn't a lie, was it? It was deception. Matthew chapter 4, in, out in the wilderness, He comes to Jesus and, and does the same thing and tries to deceive Jesus, but Jesus, using a different tactic that we'll mention in just a few minutes, overcame that deception. 1 John chapter 2, verses 15-17. through 17, John reminds us, you know what? Satan is still working with the same schemes today. And we know what they are. We know the schemes of Satan. You see, that's important that we know. But here's what that tells us. His schemes are powerful. They are strong. But here's what we also need to know. God is stronger. Paul reminds us, you see, our battle, it's not with flesh and blood. Remember what I said? It's deeper than a nation who wants to take away our Christian heritage. It's deeper than that. It's not just about that. It's not just so we can go back and enjoy all the things we've ever enjoyed. It's because the battle is against God. And we are God's people. It's against the devil. The spiritual forces of darkness. Do you remember in 1 Samuel chapter 17? Do you remember that story? Alright kids, y'all remember that story? David and Goliath. Right? In fact, the way I understand it, I think David and Goliath in disguise will be here today, 5 o'clock, so don't miss it. But David facing Goliath the representative of Satan. Why do I say that? Because he was going against God. And David comes up and he says, Whoa, hey, hello, hey, what's going on here, guys? What is this guy doing? Why are you guys not doing anything? He's defying the armies of the living God. I'll go, David, you're just a boy. And he goes up and he faces that giant and he tells that giant, Hey giant, guess what? The Lord has helped me deliver or kill a lion and a bear. And guess what? Today the Lord is going to deliver you into my hands. And here's the key. Because the battle belongs to the Lord. I just get to be His servant. I get to be the servant that shows you, Goliath, Satan, and everyone else around here that there is a God. And Paul says, will you also accept? He says, stand firm. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 58, Paul says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable. We might say, unmovable. I think this is key. Don't miss it. Always abounding 
in the work of the Lord. Knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. How do you stand firm in the Lord? Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Here's my encouragement to myself and all of us. What we do here is not in vain. Don't ever underestimate the work of the Lord and my involvement in it. Paul said, you stand by being involved in the work of the Lord. And then quickly, he talks about the armor of God. Notice what he says first. He says, put on the belt of truth. You know, this must have given the Ephesians the idea of the Roman soldier and how the Roman soldier was clad in his armor. And he said, put on the belt of truth. One person said, the battle against the spiritual powers of evil is a battle for people's minds. Hmm. Seems like that was, that's what happened in Genesis chapter 3, isn't it? Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 and following, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. What are we filling our minds with? You know, it, it's not just good enough just to not put bad stuff in our mind. Jesus tells a little story, a parable about a, about a demon that had been cast out went on its way, the house was swept clean, and then the demon gets out there with more demons and says, hey, let's go check out the house and see, see what's going on at the house. And it goes back and it's empty. And he says, hey, let's go back in my house. And he brings all these other demons. And Jesus says, he was worse off the second time. Maybe giving us the indication that putting out bad things is good. But it's even more important to fill it with truth. Jesus said, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. John 8, 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. This was used by the Roman soldier to protect his most important parts of his body. His heart, his lungs, and other organs. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23, the Bible says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Let's not underestimate Satan and his deception. I mean, he deceived... Adam and Eve who walked with God in the garden. He deceived David who was called a man after God's own heart. 
he deceived Peter into thinking he could handle it and he couldn't and he denied Jesus. Keep your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. He said, then have your feet covered with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You see, the Roman soldier, they would have, they would have leather and, and stuff covering their feet to protect their feet. I, I read one place where they would even have places uh, in that leather that nails would come out so they could stand and hold their ground. Paul puts the emphasis more so here than on standing, on preparation. You see, our message... The gospel is a message of peace. When I'm most down, when, when I have most turmoil going in our life, it's, it's generally really Satan messing with my mind. And I need to remember that Jesus brings peace. Peter would say in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 15 and 16, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. Be ready. You see, that preparation is, is not just physical. That preparation is mental. That preparation is knowing what to say. Having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. It's not just a preparation of knowing what to say. It's the preparation of living a life for God before people. That says like Paul did in Acts chapter 27 or 28, I believe God. And I believe that what God says He will do, He will do. And then Paul said, take up the shield of faith. If you notice here on the picture, uh, this shield was big enough to cover their whole body. Generally made of wood, most of the time covered in leather that had been soaked in water. Why? To avoid the fiery darts of the enemy. And our shield is that of faith. So that we can avoid the fiery darts, the tricks that Satan brings our way. They're strong. They're powerful. Don't underestimate them. And that's why Paul said, if you want to win this battle, you've got to put on this whole armor of God. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6, the Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. You see, the question that we have to answer is, Will we be ready? And then the last two things that he says, he takes up the helmet of salvation. This helmet for the Roman soldier would protect his head against blows. These, these blows sometimes would just uh, disorient him or confuse him, but these blows could also be fatal. And so it is with the Christian soldier, the Christian warrior. But the blows of the enemy... They can be confusing, this deception, but they can also be devastating. And so we need to be ready. You see, our salvation is in Jesus Christ. And then he says, take up the sword of the Spirit. Do you realize this is the only offensive weapon in the armor of God? The sword of the Spirit. This was a, a, a sword uh, that was sh small, Short, 
and sharp. And it was used for a quick thrust and the fighting off the blows of the enemy. And so it is with the Word of God. Do you remember what Jesus did as Satan attacked Him in Matthew chapter 4? Every time Jesus says, It is written. You see, He was prepared. And He said, It's written. That's why it's important that we're constantly filling our minds with the truth of God's Word. So what is it you're willing to fight for? Is it simply our country or our family? Those are noble fights and noble causes. But I want to challenge us that there is one more noble of more valor And that's the battle that really belongs to God. But it's against Satan. And we stand like David. God's going to do it. And I'm ready to be His servant. Because I believe in God. And I believe what He says. And I believe that He says He's going to do what He is. Will you believe that too? Today, if you're not a child of God, it's our prayer that you, will, that you will come this morning believing. Believing in God's Word. Believing that God has said, this is my commandment. That God has said, I've sent Jesus into the world to take your place because sin has separated us from God. And Jesus willingly went to that cross and He took our place. Said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. All through the book of Acts we read about people that said, you know what? I believe God. And I believe that what He's done and what He said He's going to do, He has done and He will do. And I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. Some left all to follow Jesus. And their life was blessed as a result of it. But it wasn't easy. But they were blessed. And they had God on their side. And just like that eunuch did in Acts chapter 8, he said, here's water. What's keeping me? I'm ready. You can do the same today. Maybe it is you're here today and you have a lot of things in your life. You're carrying some battles. Some battles that are too strong. Some battles that are too difficult. Some battles that you need help with. Some battles that you need to say, I'm tired of doing this anymore. God, this is your battle and I'm ready to give it to you. I'm just ready to be your servant and I'm ready to turn my life over to you or return my life over to you. Don't fight those battles alone. Let us pray with you. Let us pray for you so that you can walk out of this place today being renewed, being recharged to go back into the battle and claim if God is for us, Who can be against us? As together we stand and sing.